Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. In my warm-ups, I will put, I act like a DJ, so I'll just flip the tunes and like, right, I'm going to put that on and then everyone will just vibe up. So it feels like it's not a warm-up anymore. Yeah. People are just literally vibing up. They're like, they're in a club or they're raving or they're, you know, you know, putting a piece of music, and oh, that music's nice or whatever it is. Yeah. No matter what kind of music and genre it is, about feeling the music. So I think, because I work kinesthetic, I think that's probably my signature thing, that I work kinesthetic and I'm, I act as the glue. Yeah. I act as the glue and I'm working aesthetically. So I work from the inside out, not the outside in. I've done that. Yeah. But I know I serve much more of a purpose when I work from the insides as opposed to, and I mean spirit, and I mean your heart, your lungs, what is making you alive? Hello, and welcome to the Wannabe podcast. I'm your host, Imri. Wannabe is the podcast that takes you from where you are right now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you for staying subscribed and listening in. You can subscribe for free and catch a brand new 30 minute episode every Wednesday. And if you enjoy this episode, tell a friend or tweet me at Wannabe Podcast. Also, you can screenshot and tag at Wannabe Podcast in your Insta stories when you're listening. This week's guest is Coral Meesum, who is currently the movement director for the forthcoming stage adaptation of Andrea Levy's seminal novel, Small Island, which opens at the National Theatre on May 1st. Coral's past work includes choreography for Game of Thrones, as well as working with the UK theatre practitioners, including DV8, Small Island, and the NT director, Rufus Norris, and the young Vicks, Kwame Kwe Amar. Coral is also a visiting lecturer at Central School of Speech and Drama. I wanted to interview Coral because chances are, just like you, I'd never heard of a movement director before and I was intrigued as to how one finds themselves in the job. So of course, I find out how Coral got started. We find out how to pick the projects you should say yes to for developing your career, as well as wrapping up on the challenges and obstacles you might expect if you decide to follow in her footsteps. Who do you think you'd become before you became who you are today? Whoa. Wow, that's a fantastic question. Who do I think I'd become? Mm. Well, I've always wanted to perform in some capacity. I've always been quite self-expressionable in regards to me as a child. I always would dance to music. So, I mean, I'm going back a few years now, but I was brought up in a household full of music. So my dad loved his reggae records, his mm-hmm. ska records, also Jim Reeves. Um, my brother was a DJ. So music was a massive um, component in my house. Mm-hmm. So Sundays, the tradition was, you know, you'd have rice and peas and chicken and Sunday mornings, the music would be going. 
you know so music was a huge thing in my family so I it was just I was surrounded by sound all the time yeah and whether I knew it I was always inspired by music um and I just was this kind of like free spirit that I'd have to dance to some sort of music all the time so it was just like a very it was much it was a very massively part of my upbringing mm-hmm. um so I just knew that I had to do something that was creative and expressionable um wasn't sure I was going to be a dance performer but I knew it had to be something that was creative and artistic in some form how did you know you were good enough at dance to pursue it <laughs> what does good look like yeah what does good look like um I don't think it was about good I think it was about confident because I wasn't a confident kid right I wasn't kind of like really good at academic subjects so to speak mm. or that what I thought I wasn't very good at um but anytime I heard music it just brought this other side out of me that I thought I just felt something and I couldn't put it into words it was very kinesthetic yeah and um I responded to it very confidently that even I surprised myself so I was the kind of kid that you know I'd be doing dance class at school and this teacher would stop me and go Coral can everyone just watch Coral just watch Coral do a thing and I was like oh can I um so that's kind of sparked the confidence in me and I used to make dance up growing up as a kid and do bits of choreography and you know just kind of like standing in front of my brother's mirrored wardrobe back in the day and like (laughs) make dance moves up to certain tracks and whatever so um yeah that was the kind of thing that really sort of kind of shaped and maneuvered me in the direction I was going into because I wanted to be actually do fashion my mum was a dressmaker right okay and my dad was a carpenter and a shoemaker because that's the skills they got from Jamaica both parents Jamaican so I never thought myself as I just saw dance something you do sociably yeah so I thought no I'm gonna be a fashion designer I'm gonna do art which I did um so I always thought I'll be a fashion designer yeah and performing so I was always a side thing so my performance mind was like oh I'll do it through fashion or I'll do it through art but not necessarily the performing arts if that makes sense yeah I guess that makes a lot of sense where I guess even for me my mom's a musician Mm, um but it's not like in my mind musicians are like the Spice Girls or all saints like these massive yeah. superstars um my both my parents are also like in music um but it just never seemed like a viable career option so I guess mm. how did your parents feel about you pursuing dance when you finally decided that that's what you were gonna do you know what I was really blessed actually because both my mom and dad were first well they were the first migrants you know that came over they came to this country in the 60s during the wind rush during the wind rush exactly Mm. I think they were just happy that I found something that I really loved so I didn't have that pressure of like you've got to become the a lawyer or a doctor or an academic Mm -hmm. you know um you know they were just very much like find something you love doing because I think I came from a generation from pair of parents that were very into survival mode so that whole idea of like you know they didn't really have time to kind of go make sure you do this make sure you do that yeah. um they were like you find something you love stick to it and just work really hard to it so I was really blessed to say to, to have parents that were like good just find something that makes you happy yeah so you know I didn't have that pressure so to speak where I know nice. certain, yeah and you know and they they're, they're old school but I didn't have that pressure to kind of go like um make sure you choose something that has leads to a nine to five career yeah it was very much like 
do something you love to do, especially during that time where you're looking at jobs that were very based on in industry and labor type yeah. jobs. I was really blessed to, to kind of be able to choose my own path. So how was that channeled in the school system back then? So I, I'm, I guess to put some context, my mom came here when, well, she was born in 1970, but she came over when she was around 1980. Um, and she found the school system to be like very limiting of her career path and career choices. Mm. Um, so she wanted to pursue fashion as well mm. um, and just found that just the racism in schools, to be honest, was just so appalling. Um, but they really start to limit what you can do and what your what your choices are, especially as like a young black kid growing mm-hmm. up in the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. Um, so I was wondering if, if that if that kind of echoes any part of your experience or did you find that your teachers and the people around you in education were very supportive of you pursuing a more kind of creative path? That's, a, again, a really good question because I'm just thinking and reflecting on what you just said as as the question. And again, when people saw teachers saw that I had this skill to dance, Mm. it was like, Carl, you're really good at dancing. Do your GCSE dance. So I was the first, we were the first GCSE guinea pigs. Oh, wow. That's We were the first lot. So the pressure to kind of like make sure you do really well in your subjects was massively... um, infringed on from the teachers to kind of go well you're you this is the first GCSE year so we were kind of like the guinea pigs really yeah um I didn't it's so funny because I remember when I wanted to do fashion I thought well I'm gonna go to fat I'm gonna go to do fashion at college but I wanted to go to the best fashion school that I knew that would be like I want to go there but there was back in those days you'd have the you'd have career advice sessions. Mm, of course. <laughs> going to speak to you, say, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be a fashion designer. They didn't kind of go, hmm. It was like, well, what's practical and what can you afford as opposed to oh. we'll find the means to get you there. So it's like, well, because you may not be able to find the funds to do that, there's also you can come, there's the option to kind of go to this college. It may not be the best college for fashion. However, you'd be able to get the same components that you would mm if you were going to the school that you, the universe that you want to go to in the first place. So I was very kind of like, kind of interestingly sort of weaved into this kind of like guided um, moment of, you know, hmm, let's go for the second um, option, but yeah. never right, go for the, go for gold. It's almost like, well, try silver. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was navigating that way. And, um, but I was never, I never felt actually that teachers never sort of um discouraged me um to do what I wanted to do that's good so when I was good at dance Coral you've got to do dance you've got to do this and I won awards and all that kind of stuff and they were very encouraging but I think it's because the years that I was at school that was like we were on the cups of the GCSE and we were kind of going to this another level of education yeah Um, kind of education and transition moment exactly anything kind of can go and I'm a girl from Wolverhampton. I was born in Wolverhampton originally. Right. So, you know, I was brought up with, in terms of music, and again, I'll bring it back to music because I remember being influenced by um, the beat, which I was like a baby then, the beat and the specials, which is an infusion of reggae and ska and a bit of punk rock slightly. Interesting. Which is kind of in my household playing, but then there was there was hip hop and soul 80 soul a real amalgamation of a melting pot of music so I never felt that I was black 
you know what I'm trying to say? Because I was influenced by all different types of music, by my friends, yeah. by my community, because we were all from different races. Yeah. Um, so it was very much like an amalgamation of like, yeah, like, you know, mods and skinheads, you would see them on road or whatever or on the streets and you kind of go, oh, I want to be a mod because they were really cool. And that was before skinheads became, you know, had those racist connotations yeah. attached to them. That mm-hmm. was when it was cool to be a skinner or cool to be a mod because reggae and ska and, and punk was a real, that came for the young people. It was a real yeah. kind of melting pot. So when, so all of that, I was kind of like, I never felt I wasn't part of one thing or not the other. I felt it was all part of my experience. So it's a really hard question to actually kind of solidify and put into like, this is what it was. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Um, <laughs> to bring up the punk <laughs> thing. I, uh, and the skinner thing, I bought some uh, knee high white Dr. Martin boots and I get so mm. much grief from my mum about it. She's like, oh, <laughs> skinhead. And I was like, yeah, but I'm obviously not a racist. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, exactly. yeah, like parents just having those connotations. That's they right. Can't quite separate that they're quite different because they go from their experiences right of course yeah yeah yeah. um how would you describe what a movement director is and how is that different from choreography as i guess would be my closest association when guessing yeah at what it is that you do yeah absolutely so i think the main difference on basic terms is choreography is more about teaching or relearning or learning dance sequences and steps. So you're putting like a sequence of steps together, mm-hmm. normally to counts or to music. Where movement directing is really about those things too, but also looking at the physical world of the theater or TV or film or whatever you're working on, you're looking at all the components. So you're looking at characterization, you're looking at atmosphere, you're looking at temperature, you're looking at all these different components. And you're looking at, um, the way dialogue, if you're from a different country, how do people move and how do they function? Wow. And looking at, um, you know, language, physical language. Um, so it could be naturalistic gesture or it could be non-naturalistic gesture. So it goes into a whole range of different um, departments when you're looking at movement, movement directing. The also, I think the other component of movement directing is really important, which I think people forget, is that you are bringing people together mm-hmm. um and what if you're working with big ensembles i think it's vitally important that you allow and you accept that people need to feel that they're in a safe environment that they can express themselves freely and be able to play without being judged mm-hmm. um so i make that really part of my warm-up and i call it now a vibe up because it's about vibing it's about how can i connect with you that you're probably from I'm probably from Warsaw, but you're probably from Leeds. Yeah. What do we have in common? What's our common knowledge? So it's really about us coming together and being in that space. We can trust the room, trust the space and be a team player. Because that's what it's about, really. The ensemble is the ones that hold a theatre production or if you're working on TV and film. It's about how do you hold that space? So that's the main differences, really, between choreography and movement directing. This is Nicole Hannah-Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks, that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times, to spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. 
To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. How do you, for me, how do you even acquire the knowledge? Like, what is the process of even acquiring the knowledge of, I guess, knowing how different people or how, like how an actor is portraying someone from a different cultural background? How do you even begin to think about what that looks like? What, what's the process? Well, I studied, master, I, did, I did a master's in theatre practice. So after I did my dance degree many years ago, I, I wanted to delve in a bit more about well, what is movement? What does that mean? Although yeah. I kind of knew it, I wanted to feel it because I'm kinesthetic. So... For anyone that doesn't know what is kinesthetic. So kinesthetic is like when you feel as opposed to intellectualise. Do you know what I mean? So like I can talk about honey, but if you don't know what it tastes like, you will not know what it's... You have a perception, yeah. but you haven't experienced it okay. physically. Does that make sense? Yes, I think so. So it's a real sensation physically. Yeah. Um, most of it came from my experience in being as a performer, going into dance, being an actor as well. So kind of combine those two, doing physical theatre, mm-hmm. um, but also studying, you know, certain tools. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. ...or certain methods of physical practice, like viewpoints is good for ensemble work. Um, Laban is good for characterization. What's Laban? So Laban is a method that was created by a man named Rudolf uh, Rudolf Nureyev. Uh, oh God, what's his last name? I forgot his last name. Rudolf Laban. What am I Was talking about? Rudolf Laban, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. If I had to and... guess, that's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. And he came up with a really great um, method on eight emotional um, states for an actor to explore and discover. Um, so Laban is based on um, eight different efforts and they're governed by three things, which is, which is space, time and weight. Okay. And exploring how you can physically experience these different um, states. So if you want to be like very light, you know, in your body, how does that feel? How do you explore that? So that's gone by three things. It's very light in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, It's indirect. So it has a sense of no end and no um, beginning. So there's an openness to the body, you know. And the other thing would be... um, the, the time is it slow is it quick so they're very basic terms but very effective so going back to a question how do you govern that obviously that's a skill in itself because that's knowledge yeah so you have to kind of study what are these methods like you've got Gotowski, you've got viewpoints you've got Laban and these are a few 
Um, and all actors would have experienced this during their drama training. Um, but movement focus on the, the physical elements of the actor. And it's all acting. I think it's just a Western thing that we separate voice and movement and acting. Yeah. But they're all part of the same thing. Um, so I think, for example, if I'm looking at a character and a typical thing would be, well, what, where are we? Is it period? Is it, you know, or is it present? Yeah. Um, and what's their function? You know, do they drink a lot of tea? Are they quite hyper? Um, so you always look at the most extreme physical elements. Yeah. Of that, And it's all about play. It's all about discovering. There's no like, that's right, that's wrong. It's about discovering and really opening um, what can be discovered, you know, in the actor's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing what's available, what's going on in there, what's what's open to you, what's speaking through you. And then you start to fine tune those things. So you imagine like, you know, creating a piece of music and you kind of like, if you, is it, you know, something like garage band or whatever, and you start to kind of go, right, okay, I'm going to cut that, edit that. Same way movement director works, you kind of fine tune and you sort of like tune things up and mm-hmm. fine tune and look for detail. So I always start with broad strokes. I kind of go, okay, okay, let's go really big here. Let's be bold and big and brash and massive. Yeah. And then eventually start to work and fine tune movement and detail and the physicality. So it's kind of like, that's how I work as a movement director. So I kind of work like a musician. Um, Sounds so cool. (laughs) I'm like, this sounds so fun. I want to be able to try it. It also sounds like you need to have quite a lot of confidence and like a general openness to it's be receptive to, do with instinct to it as well ah. it's a lot to do with instincts a lot to do with like oh what if you're shy and scared <laughs> um and you're like as a movement being... director as um... I, I guess if you're dealing with someone as you're training um and actually doing your job with a, a group of maybe even new actors or kind of inexperienced people mm. who are trying to get in how how do you then kind of open them up to be more i guess expressive i think it just comes down when it comes down to experience so i've been doing this for a, a few years now mm. um um, if I do have, um, if there are times where I really don't know, you know, I'm like, you know what, guys, I don't know what this is going to be, but just come with me on the journey yeah. and just trust that whatever the outcome is, whether it's good or that wasn't useful, it's going to lead to something. So I always let myself know that I'm human yeah. first. <laughs> I'm not a miracle worker because movement directors are, um, we're problem solvers. So we solve the problem, but sometimes we don't always get the problem immediately. Sometimes yeah. we need the time to explore and improvise and experiment with stuff. And that takes time. So if I have, or if I do come across actors that are scared, I think again, that comes down to really good warm ups. So that is your prep. Warm-ups are there to prep the actor to feel open in their body, mm-hmm. to work safely, and to be efficient, and to work health to to be healthy in their body. Mm-hmm. Because the more you expand and open the body, the more is going to be available to you. And coming back to my point, the warm-up is so vital because it's not just warming up the body scientifically, warm up the blood and everything else, but to work safely and to be open to what your body can do. Could you be surprised what this thing can do? I mean, you think about the amount of things that happen on an inhale and an exhale. Yeah. It's like loads. So your body's intelligent. So it's just about allowing the actor to trust their instrument and come back to that space. 
how would we even identify your work within, I guess, Small Island, which is coming out on the 1st of May at the National? <laughs> so couple months um but like how would we know like okay this is coral's work or like how is there like a do you have a signature do you have a footprint that then says like because i'm really interested in people who have jobs that are kind of like invisible um mm. to like this mm. yes yeah, those those jobs that are super important to a piece of work coming together but most people probably just would not know that you did that so is there any way that people are like yes i can see if this if your work wasn't done it would look very different or is that quite hard and intangible <sighs> Okay, so what's interesting about that question is that to this day, I can't identify my own work. I can't go, that's me. That's how I, that's, I can, I look at my work and go, okay, that's a piece of work. But other people go, mm-hmm. I know Coral's done that. Yeah. That's Coral's, that's definitely Coral's work. Interesting. And I go, huh? Huh? What? <laughs> so I'm not sure. So I think it's what I, I think what I bring to the table is that I offer a, I kind of, my purpose is to kind of be the glue that holds the cast together. So I would say, you know, and it's not bigging myself in any way, but just I mean, being very yourself assured. Up, why not? Should... Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, but I think I actually am. I do know. I'm very good at bringing people together and allowing people to have fun and work in a safe environment without judgment. Because I'm all about don't don't judge just be free and just vibe yourself up in the space. So for example, what I mean by that is, so warm-ups, you know, is about yoga and about freeing the body. And I like get people to kind of, so if we do yoga or sun salutations, I kind of go, okay, what does that feel like to lengthen your your arms up and explore that? Find what works for your body. Because what works for me mm-hmm. is different for you. I also like my warm-ups to feel like I'm going out on a, to a nightclub. So <laughs> in my warm-ups. Like a hype. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So in my warm-ups, I will put, I act like a DJ. So I'll just flip the tunes and like, right, I'm going to put that on. And then everyone will just vibe up. So it feels like it's not a warm-up anymore. Yeah. People are just literally vibing up. They're like, they're in a club or they're raving or they're, you know, you know, put on a piece of music. And go, oh, that music's nice or whatever it is. Yeah. No matter what kind of music and genre it is, about feeling the music. So I think, because I work kinesthetic, I think that's probably my signature thing, that I work kinesthetic. And I'm, I act as the glue. Yeah. I act as the glue and I'm working aesthetically. So I work from the inside out, not the outside in. I've done that. Yeah. But I know I serve much more of a purpose when I work from the insides as opposed to, and I mean spirit and I mean your heart, your lungs, what is making you alive? You've worked on some really incredible projects uh, in your career. So I was curious how you know what to say yes to. And has there been anything that you wish you didn't say yes to? (laughs) You don't obviously have to answer Ooh-wee. the last one, but if you did, that would be great. Um, I tell you what. So, going back to the latter question, I think I don't. Okay, so let me try and put this in a different answer your question at the same time, but also kind of double answer it if that makes sense. I think what I kind of what I don't gravitate to is when someone boxes me in. So me being a black woman movement director, um there's a tendency to go well she's a black movie director she can do all the black shows and i'm like nope Mm -hmm. that's not gonna happen that ain't happening i'm universal first off yeah so whether it's a period drama or a piece that's based in the african part of the african diaspora i can do but i can navigate whichever yeah yeah because it's not about 
the style and genre. It's about what is it about that story that moves me. So I like stories that move the human spirit, that has something political to say. Interesting. And that moves and shifts how we think about culture, identity, gender. I like to be left of centre. So I don't, I'm not necessarily a uh, safe movement director. <laughs> I like to let the needle kind of come off a little bit. So I love stories that kind of shift the gaze and allow people to think about things they wouldn't, they wouldn't normally think about. Yeah. In regards to like all of those different things like race, gender and culture and so forth. Um, that's why Run It Back was such a special thing for me because it dealt with people that have never gone raving that hates raving, watch the show and end up on the dance floor and going, I hate rave, but how have I ended up dancing to Palance? How have I gone doing soca mm. when you've never even come across that coach before? So that's what I'm interested in. How do we shift that gaze and go, right, you've never been to Carnival yeah, because you, just, because you live in Cardiff or whatever and that's not a problem, but now you're going to experience it. And I want you to go, oh my God, I get it. I feel it. I understand it. What? Yeah. So I like to give people an experience without this outside judgment. Do you know what I mean? I think so. I think I understand. It is all about the feeling. Yeah, it's just about, and it is it's, about it's experiences. an invitation. Yeah. It's an invitation. Um, Because the idea is what, going, going back to run it back was, okay, so one thing um I noticed was like, for example, twerking. You know, mm-hmm. people twerk and they assume that's like, there's an assumption that is part of African and Caribbean culture, but they think twerking, it ends there. So no, no, there's a whole yeah, lineage of dances that you have to be encouraged to know and to, and to get to know. There's, and whining is an art, it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Lovers rock music, how people used to dance to lovers of rock in the early 80s is a skill. Your mum and dad will probably know that. They do. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, the, there's an art to all of this, all the way to sound system. There's an art to it. And I sometimes feel like there's presumptions on what those cultural identities are because we haven't lived through it. Yeah. But we don't do the research. You know what I mean? Yeah. We also have a general problem with archiving in yeah. within like I guess black Britishness and yeah, black yeah, yeah. Caribbean black African there's not enough archiving I mean it's happening mm. um and slowly but surely most of us are starting to pull together those threads and those pieces and build black cultural archives doing stuff but yeah I think generally there's a, a problem with documenting our histories and our arts and our culture in a way that is accessible to everybody mm. um and also just enough to spark the curiosity in our own community yeah. Yeah, exactly. let alone everyone else's so exactly yeah exactly. It's, it's a it's a big question um but it's exciting i think it's exciting to know that we you know when we did lovers rocking run it back that generation probably your generation actually i'm were not like, a fan of it what <laughs> what dance is equal between men and women it was like massive to them because yeah. now if you look at daggering that's like a whole different thing mm. Mm. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like that blew their mind because they were like, "Oh my god, this is like, this is a really beautiful art that my mum and dad don't really talk about." So, well, they're not gonna because it's in the dance, but it's like that's an art in the skill in itself. Yeah. You don't have to like the music, but if you understand that, how did we get from Lovers Rock to this whole where where men 
or in carnival or at a dance where they're being assisted to wine with a woman what th- we've this there's a story behind there's a story that. behind that it's not just which is uh, interesting and it's no judgment but i yeah. think it's interesting to know well it's not about it's not all about that it's not about that jerk and that you know it's changed in terms of music as well yeah. and music shifts the, the the needle right how we yeah. dance to certain things it shifts the needle what are you working on getting better at right now professionally speaking um being bold you know like obviously being a movement director um i never saw myself as a director although run it back was the first show i directed and people were very surprised that i directed a show and i think that's just because i wasn't setting out to be a director i just wanted to make the show about this yeah so i think i would love to be more involved in doing movement in film and tv I'm very inspired by that and getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, being more in leadership of like creating projects that I want to um, be in charge of. Yeah. Because um, I do have some really great ideas and, you know, I'd love to have the opportunity to kind of like, right, can I bring those ideas to the table and shape those ideas? Um, and it's already beginning with Run It Back because I feel like that was something that, you know, it was something that came from me, that was birthed from me. And I thought, right, we've got to make a show about this. So I think that's kind of where my head is at of like being able to just create work that comes from me, but also involve media as in video and TV and, you know, film. Like we're doing some film in small islands and captions and stuff like that. I can't talk too much about it, but I'm really excited. I'm like, oh my God, I want to do that. Please, please. Like, you know, just, I get really excited about how we do movement on film and how to project on camera. And so I'm really excited how these two medias have come together, which is something I'm starting to, really have a fodderness for amazing thank you so much coral this was amazing amazing oh i've learned so much and it was kind of unexpected if it wasn't for my complete inability to do choreographed dancing i would happily look into some classes if your interest is peaked do visit coral's website www.coralmesam.com that's c-o-r-a-l-m-e-s-a-m.com and follow her on twitter at coral Meesum, same spelling don't forget small island is out at the national theater on may 1st Thank you so much for listening in. If you're listening via the Apple Podcast app, please do me the small favour of spending five seconds to leave a rating. Also, do get your career, brand and marketing questions in for the mailbag episode. You can do this via wannabepodcast.com. Also, we have a new social media manager that's really setting a new tone on Instagram, so be sure to follow at wannabepodcast on Instagram as well. If you like how this podcast is made and you think you can do what I do, then you need to reach out to the Shoutout Network. Find out more about membership by visiting shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Also, a massive thank you to Acast for allowing me to record my intros and outros in their studios. Until next week. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 